This is In Tune, the in-series podcast, opening up to you your own in-series opera that speaks, theater that sings, an oasis of intimate, innovative, and inspiring ideas through music, theater, art, and opera. I'm your host, in-series artistic director, Timothy Nelson, and I'm recording on February 12, 2020, and I'm ashamed to admit this is my first podcast in the new year, in the new decade. I haven't done a podcast since uh, November of last year, which is testament to how busy things have been here at InSeries. I'm going to call this an Insiders episode, uh, which is going to be sort of a roundup of, of all the news, all the goings-on here at InSeries. Uh, we opened the new year with a production of Carmen, a tango cabaret production that was called uh, the cabaret, Le Cabaret de Carmen, uh, which was a fantastic success. We had originally scheduled to do eight performances here at the Source Theater. Those were sold out almost before we even opened the show. We added another show and that sold out. We were very pleased to be partnering with Da Capo Tango Orchestra, uh, which consisted of cellist uh, Maxfield Willem Fischer and uh, bandoneon player Amy Solera. This is an amazing combo. They really brought the piece to life. And uh, we did a lot of work of engaging the tango community. We offered tango lessons before some of the shows. And we gave a, a very special director's salon at the Public Option, which is a great bar out on Rhode Island Avenue, where we talked about the connection between tango and Carmen and why the two are linked and how they're linked. Uh, and I meant to do a podcast on that. I didn't get to it, but it is not too late, folks. I have good news. And that is that our production of Le Cabaret de Carmen is going to be in Baltimore next weekend, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd, at the Baltimore Theater Project. You can not only catch that again, uh, or for the first time if you didn't see it here in D.C., but we're also doing some special outreach events for that. So after the Friday evening performance on the 21st, we're going to be having a champagne toast. That's our In-N-Out Pride Night. This is something new we've started doing to connect with the uh, LBGTQ community, especially with our Carmen, which deals with expanded gender roles and with uh, violence against trans women. We wanted to do something special for that community. So after the performance, we're going to have a, a special reception and champagne toast. On Saturday, the 22nd, after the performance, we're going to have a free tango lesson on the stage of the uh, of um, the Baltimore Theater Project. I got confused which theater we're in. Um, and everyone is welcome to stay and participate in that. And then on Sunday, February 23rd, before the performance, uh, in a restaurant called Red Emma's, which is right next to the Baltimore Theater Project, we're going to be having a special conversation between myself and James Harp, who is the artistic director of Maryland Opera, was course master and artistic administrator for many years of the Baltimore Opera. We're going to be talking about Carmen, why it's, it's such an iconic piece, why it's a piece that um, still speaks and lends itself to multiple interpretations today. And that conversation is going to be uh, moderated by the wonderful John Skerch, who is a uh, radio personality on WBJC, the classical music radio station in Baltimore. But he was also uh, one of the bases in our production of Viva Verde, The Promised End, last September, and will be appearing in April with us once again as Sparfucile in, uh, in Rigoletto. Uh, so, so I encourage you to come out and, and learn more about Carmen, to see the piece. It's one of the most successful 
uh, pieces we've done and, and we're very proud of it as an organization. Now, why all this talk about Baltimore and performing in Baltimore? Well, as you may have known, uh, last season we took our Tale of Zerse for uh, three performances there. Uh, in September, we took our Butterfly for two performances to Baltimore. And with this Carmen, which is going for three performances, we are announcing Baltimore as a second home for in-series. Now, I want to talk a little bit about why that is. I uh, partially grew up in Baltimore. My mom's from Baltimore. I spent a lot of time there as a, as a child. And then I went to undergrad at the Peabody Conservatory of Johns Hopkins University uh, there. And it's really a, a very special uh, artistic landscape in a very special city. Uh, when I got out of uh, my studies there, I founded American Opera Theater, which was a small opera company. The, the name suggests something much bigger. And we were in Baltimore for about a decade, a little more than a decade. And at the same time, there were at least two other very thriving chamber opera companies. There was the Baltimore Concert Opera uh, and, of course, the Baltimore Opera, which was uh, famous for its, its, its management under Rosa Poncel and, and did amazing work. Now there is no staged opera in the city of Baltimore. Uh, and at InSeries, we see this as a special opportunity, not only to do the right thing and to be a regional leader for chamber opera. We see an opening in that market. Uh, but we also see the opportunity to broaden our base of support and uh, create a more sustainable future for us as an organization. Uh, we already use a lot of Baltimore artists because, of course, Peabody provides a pipeline uh, of, of great uh, emerging young opera singers. Um, and we wanted to create a space for those singers to stay in the city where they live, to perform in the city where they live, and for us to acknowledge as an institution that we have a shared artistic family between between these two cities. So we're really excited to announce an official second home there. Next season we'll be taking uh, three to four performances there and we hope to continue to, to do so and to expand that sort of programming and also the the very special outreach uh, programming that we do here in DC. We hope to do that in Baltimore as well. Of course uh, a revival of our Carmen in Baltimore isn't the only thing that we're hard at work on. Uh, we have our own Women Composers Festival, which opens March 6th and plays that, that weekend, which is also the weekend of National Women's Day. It's a festival of works by uh, mostly living, many local uh, female composers. The idea behind this actually started with a conversation, an interview I had with uh, Anne Majette, who was at the Washington Post at that time when she first took the position about how we would like to construct a season or a festival around new work by women composers. And we had a further conversation, public conversation, during Butterfly about uh, women and the role of women in the opera industry and, and the work that needs to be done there. And of course, a lot of that is not only in, on the stage and in the, the, the production rooms, uh, but also in the creative space of composing and writing librettos. Uh, so, so we've put together uh, quite, a, quite an interesting program, I'm really proud of it. On uh, March 6th, we will begin the festival with a gala concert, and that concert will feature works uh, by the, the composers who are represented elsewhere on the festival and some others. It'll include 
uh, Carolyn Shaw, who uh, won the Pulitzer Prize, I think, two years ago. She's the youngest uh, person to ever win the Pulitzer Prize, and of course she's one of a very small group of women that have won that prize. Uh, she won that for a piece called Partita, which was written for Room Full of Teeth, which I think is one of the great names for a vocal ensemble. And we're going to be doing a, a piece of hers that is for three a cappella voices, and we're pairing it with other works for three a cappella voices by a, a woman named Katsulani, who was a nun in the uh, the 17th century and wrote a lot of music in the nunneries. I believe that she was in Ferrara. I could be wrong about that. Uh, and throughout this whole concert, we're going to be pairing music like that. So uh, Jessica Crash, who is a wonderful local uh, composer and who also uh, played and wrote some music for our prepared piano version of Butterfly. We're doing two song cycles of hers on the concert. One of these is uh, based on the Cantigas, which is a codex of, of uh, medieval uh, Spanish songs that's quite famous. And this is actually the piece that uh, made me discover, or uh, led me to discover Jessica's work. It is a setting of these existing songs in a landscape that she creates on the piano. It's incredibly beautiful piece. Um, and we'll be interspersing that with uh, chant melodies by I'm sure not the first great female composer, but the first one that we acknowledge in Western culture, which of course is Hildegard von Bingen. Uh, we're also doing a song cycle of hers called Sulpicius Songs, uh, which is the setting of uh, Latin, song, uh, Latin text translated into English. Uh, and we're gonna be interspersing those with songs by the American composer Louise Talma. Louise Talma was a towering figure. Um, in the early part of the, of the 20th century or around the middle of the 20th century. She was very active at the McDowell Colony. Uh, she was very good friends with the likes of Thornton Wilder and uh, actually wrote an opera with Thornton Wilder. It is a setting of Thornton Wilder's play uh, version of the, the Alcestiad, which is all three parts of the Alcestiad combined into one evening. Uh, she wrote uh, the music, Thornton Wilder of Our Town wrote the libretto, it was performed at the Frankfurt Opera. It has to this day never been performed in the United States uh, and this is something I would very much like to see corrected. On our gala concert, we're not going to be correcting that, but instead we're going to be interspersing some of her very witty, very funny songs with uh, these uh, ancient texts uh, by a female poet and wonderful melodies by Jessica Crash, who again is, is, is a local DC um, composer. Another local DC composer that we're gonna have on the festival is Laurie Leitman, who uh, just won great accolades two years ago for her opera of The Scarlet Letter. Um, she's one of America's leading songwriters, I would say. And we're going to be have uh, settings of Emily Dickinson, uh, uh, and uh, actually an, another local poet named Annie Finch who has a set of poems that are a dialogue between herself and Emily Dickinson, which is wonderful. Uh, Laurie Leitman has set uh, two poems of Dickinson and this poem of Annie Finch uh, into a cycle, and those will be combined with another setting of Emily, em Emily Dickinson songs by a composer named Emily Lau, uh, who is doing uh, very fascinating work writing for a vocal ensemble that includes one of our performers uh, named Ju Julie Bosworth. 
Uh, Julie is going to be performing in the Kate Soper Opera that I'll tell you about a little later. Uh, but the piece that made me discover Kate Soper's music is called Only the Words Themselves Mean What They Say. It is a piece that Kate wrote for herself and a flute. It is absolutely astonishing. The first time I heard it, I was gobsmacked by how personal and uh, unique and, and, and terribly touching this musical voice was. Uh, I'm very happy that we're including that in the piece. The other opera that we're including on the festival is by Mexican composer Gabriela Ortiz. So we've put in the gala concert a work for flute uh, mezzo-soprano, which will be sung by our own Elizabeth Mondragon, and six crystal goblets. I, my predecessor Carla Hubner, uh, and our uh, pianist uh, Emily Baltzer will be joining to form the uh, Crystal Glass Ensemble to accompany a work called Rio Brava, which we're, we're delighted to have on the, on the festival. Uh, after that, uh, that concert, which is, which is on Friday evening, there'll be a short reception following it. And at 9.30, we'll have the first of two late-night cabarets that'll be part of the festival. That first one will be the music of Dorothy Fields, who, as I understand it, is the highest-grossing uh, singer uh, songwriter in the ASCAP catalog. She was actually a lyricist. She worked very closely with Jerome Kern. She wrote the book for Anything Goes. Some of her songs include uh, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and On the Sunny Side of the sea Street and The Way You Look Tonight. Uh, we're very happy to include American Songbook, which is part of the fiber and the tradition of in-series in, uh, in, in this festival of women composers. So that's the, that's the late night concert on Friday. On Saturday, we'll have a matinee performance of an opera called Ana y su Sombra. This is by Gabriela Ortiz, Mexican composer. She has just been named the greatest living composer by uh, Gustavo Dudamel, who conducts the uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic Orchestra, uh, which has been featuring her works and for which she will curate a Pan-American Festival of New Music next year. We're over the moon that she uh, agreed to be part of this festival. She's coming for the performance and for uh, a, a special outreach event that I'll talk about later, the day before. Um, this is a work that is both a children's opera and an adult opera. It is about a young Mexican girl whose family has moved to the United States uh, and she wishes to return to her home in Mexico, but her shadow uh, wishes to stay in the U.S. It is a very funny, very witty, um, and very compelling musical piece. That is at 3 o'clock on uh, both Saturday and Sunday. And in the evening, both Saturday and Sunday, I believe at 7 o'clock, is an opera by Kate Soper called Here Be Sirens. This is a look at the three sirens from Homer's Odyssey. The sirens, you'll remember, have beautiful voices and like to, to uh, woo sailors passing by into their clutches and devour them. And these three sirens, between moments of, of wooing and devouring, uh, spend time musing on their own existence and what is the meaning of their existence. It is scored for just three sopranos and a piano, which they play themselves. They pluck it, they strum it, they use fishing wire to play it, they play on the keyboard sometimes. It includes uh, translations and, and original language of Homer, of Sappho, of ancient texts. It is absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm such a fan of Kate Soper. I'm so proud to be presenting this piece on the festival. Also on Saturday, 
at 9.30, our second late night cabaret performance. And this will be a much more experimental uh, cabaret experience. It is a staging of a work called Love Songs. It's by a Canadian-Serbian composer named Anna Sokolovic. It'll be performed by Mary Beth Diggle, who many of you will remember from our Italian version of Butterfly. Uh, Mary Beth is a very special artist who does a lot of work uh, with dancers and with experimental theater, and she will be self-directing this piece in collaboration with DC's own Susan Galbraith um, at 9.30 at the Gala Theater. All these performances are at Gala Hispanic Theater. Uh, there are 10 in total. They are all priced at $25, or you can have the entire festival for an $80 festival pass. Please come out and support not only in-series, but uh, the legacy, the brilliance of, of women composers, particularly those that are living right here in the DC area. And fast on the, the tales of that, we'll be preparing Rigoletto, our circus version of Rigoletto, which will be at the Atlas Theater uh, starting on April, uh, April 12th, I believe. It'll play for two weekends, set in a circus tent. I am busy uh, reorchestrating the piece for sousaphone and trombone and circus organ uh, and, and Barry Burns, who has translated many operas for, for us in the past, has created a wonderful English circus translation of the piece. We have an amazing cast. I, I'm really excited to be presenting Verdi in this intimate uh, but musically in fully integrated integrated way. That's all actually not the bulk of what I'm busy at at the moment. Uh, most of my job right now is planning for next season, a season that I can't reveal much about right at the moment, but it is going to be something quite special for us, something quite new. Uh, amazing voices coming, uh, new commissions for, uh, for spoken text, new ways of blending uh, theater and poetry and music. We're going to be working with a whole new group of artists and designers, um, and we're going to have a special group of artists that will be without, with us through the whole of that season and the season afterwards. I'm going to be able to tell you more about that soon, not yet, after our April 30th gala. Uh, if you're not on the in-series mailing list, do that now. You can do that at www.inseries.org. We're going to be sending out news about our biggest, most exciting gala ever, which is also where we'll announce next season and, the, and a couple of new programs that are of national significance to, to the opera industry. Finally, I just want to make a comment um, which is both sad but also, also beautiful. We, this December, we lost um, a great soul in the Washington, D.C., theater and music scene. And this is Victor Shargai, who was uh, a philanthropist, but more importantly, was a passionate devotee of the art form and the art form done here locally in our own season. Uh, I just moved here in the fall of 2018. I didn't have nearly enough time to really get to know Victor the way I would have liked to. Um, but but one, one just had to see him speak uh, at any number of occasions where, where I met him to know the depth of his passion and devotion to the theater community here in D.C. Uh, the City Council of D.C. has made uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, this Friday, a day to honor uh, Victor Shargai, um, and many theaters that evening will be dedicating their performances to Victor's memory and to all he did for 
for the theater community in DC. We at InSeries don't have a performance that evening, but we will be dedicating all the performances of our Rigoletto uh, at the end of this season to Victor's memory. This is a, a, a staging that we hope he would have enjoyed, that he would have found it both amusing and touching and, and powerful. And, and we're, we're very uh, lucky to have had, had Victor as a, a supporter of InSeries. That's all for today's episode of In Tune. I'm very happy to be to be back with you after a short hiatus. I hope that you'll check out all that we have coming up once again next weekend, February 21st, 22nd, 23rd in Baltimore at the Baltimore Theater Project, which is at 45 West Preston Street, right next to the Meyerhoff Symphony Hall in Baltimore. We'll be doing Le Cabaret de Carmen. Check that out online, either our own website or www.theaterproject.org. And then next for us here in D.C., is the Women Composers Festival March 6th, 7th, and 8th. There's also a free uh, discussion, community conversation with Gabriela Ortiz, hosted by the Mexican Cultural Institute. It'll be March 6th at 3 p.m. That's entirely free. She'll be discussing her work and what it means to be making political opera as a woman in North America. Uh, you can find more about that on our website, www.inseries.org. All those events will be at Gala Hispanic Theater in Columbia Heights here in DC. And our season will close in April with two weekends of Rigoletto at the Atlas Performing Arts Center in the Springer Theater. Again, you can find all that information on our website. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Timothy Nelson saying, Rabindranath Tagore tells us that civility is the first work of art. Go out and make your lives and your art civil. <laughs>